You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 39. Welcome to the show. Hello, my friends. Welcome to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery episode 39. We are going to cover relationships and emotional today because I really think this is something I've been dealing with a lot over the last year. And I think it's really important that we have an opportunity to discuss this especially because the holidays are coming up and these are extremely important to a lot of people. And depending on what your memories are of your holidays back when you were using, uh, perhaps you still are using, you're going to have a lot of different beliefs about the holidays, values around the holidays. And this isn't always going to match up with the way other people see these end of the year events that have become, you know, really a cornerstone of the American way of life. It's our society is, you know, here comes Halloween, boom, before you know it, there's Thanksgiving and then that's it. You know, for some time now, Christmas actually seems to start after Halloween. And so it certainly starts Black Friday and then here comes the holidays. And so how you deal with your emotions within all of the relationships in your life is going to be very tumultuous for some of us, and it's going to be uh, a lot for a lot of us, right? And so if you've been following me the last couple episodes and you are familiar with what it is exactly that we're doing here on this show, then you know that what I've, you know, and for those of you who have it, let me just run through it real fast. Go back to episode 36. We're talking about my life's blueprint. It's a program I developed at the end of 2018. And I've been using it in a lot of my speeches and my keynote addresses and my seminars, workshops, and my life coaching. Um, I tie a lot of, not a lot, I mean, everything comes back to this life's blueprint. That we all have the same three spheres of career self relationships. Everything in your life can be boiled down to career self and relationships. Everything can fit within one of these three spheres. Within each of these three spheres of career self and relationships, we have four components, which are which to me are physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Physical obviously being the physical body, the emotional being the emotional part of your entire existence, mental you know, it's your brain, emotional is your heart, physical is your body. Spiritual is really just that overarching everything in your life. It's more about your morals, your values, your ethics, your integrity, um, not necessarily religion, although by all means, if you really d- dive deep into religion, you'll realize that morals, ethics, values, and integrity are the cornerstone of what all religions um, are purporting to teach. So that's what we're doing. And so go back to episode 36, Life's Blueprint, and I talk about the three spheres, again, career, self-relationships, and the four components of each, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. This makes up 12 quadrants of your life. And when you organize your life in this manner, which is what I do, obviously, because I teach it, it makes it really easy for you to figure out what quadrant needs work on based on where you're starting to feel... um, the least bit of uh, growth or happiness or prosperity, whatever it might be, right? You know, and for this episode, we're going to talk about relationships and emotional. 
And so if you have any relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, you know, coworkers, family members, whoever it might be, um, there's a relationship there, right? Even if they're just an acquaintance at work that you pass by, there's some kind of relationship, right? And if they try to do small talk with you at work, there's, you know, a social norm is that you, uh, you attend that social small talk with them and you do your best to be pleasant and, until you walk away, right? What we're going to talk about here today are going to be the deeper relationships um, that f- you are around often. Your good friends, your best friends, your loved ones, your your significant other. Because um, when the holidays roll around, emotions can get very uh, elevated, and they can become heated in the in the with the right kind of, with the wrong kind of scenarios. They can become very loving and endearing in the right kind of scenarios. And for me. What I've noticed is in, you know, finishing up, I'm getting ready to hit year three of sobriety. And so, you know, year one was 2018, 2017. And, uh, you know, I hit year one on uh, January 13th, 2018. Year two started then. It finished on um, 2019. And so I've been in the throes of year three. And then that will officially end on January 13th, 2020. And I'll start year four. When I've talked to people who are alcohol and drug abuse counselors, i.e. my dad, he told me that in year one, most uh, addicts will focus on getting their physical body back in shape, back in the right uh, frame, just working on your physical self. Um, Year two is when you start to get your mental acuity back and you really start to work on your mental processes because after that whole year without any kind of inhibitants, your brain starts to function regularly. Um, it's always going to be getting better, but certainly uh, major breakthroughs um, start to happen in year two. And in year three, with your physical self being reformed and your mental acuity being reformed, you start to move into the emotional aspect and you can stay working on these for the rest of our lives. And in fact, we were working on them from day one. Um, It just becomes now that you've got the physical thing, hopefully habituated where you're going to the gym and eating healthier and you're happier with your physical form, you've gotten your mental form back and you're reading more books and you're doing things other than sitting there watching television or tapping on your phone all day, um, that leaves more prioritization for your emotions. And one of the things that we all have in common as addicts is that we all understand suffering, that we all had a tremendous amount of suffering that we did not fully understand how to deal with, and addiction became the medicine that eventually became the disease, right? I had a lot of emotional issues that I did not deal with from my mom getting Crohn's in 1984, us leaving Florida, her getting extremely sick when we moved to Indianapolis, um, and then everything just snowballed. And so, and I mean... If I go back even further, when we moved away from Oklahoma City in 1980-ish, 79, 80-ish, my sister was born, and that was in September of 80. So I, we left sometime, and it seemed, I seem to remember it being warm. Uh, unfortunately, my, my mom's no longer with us. I can't ask her. but So probably sometime in 81 is when we left Oklahoma, and, and I probably started a lot of my emotional uh unavailability then because I left my cousin and my aunts and my uncles and my whole family and they were like a main major part right so 
and then my, my parents dealt drugs and did drugs all throughout my little infancy. So I probably had, you know, a lot of emotional shit going on then too. So basically from the moment I came out of the womb, I had some emotional stuff going on. And in fact, all of us do. All humans are dealing with this. It's just some people, uh, you know, they, they drink it away, they eat it away, they do other obsessive things in a way. We, we, we pick up a vice somewhere along the way and it becomes the medicine to deal with our emotional suffering. And after a while, we abuse it to the point where it actually becomes the problem. It becomes the disease. And so as we're sitting here now, for me, being a 43-year-old in addiction recovery, um, it's, it's, you know, it's a lot. Uh, there's a lot to unwrap here. Um, and so, I mean, I did so much research on this, like how, you know, I, I Googled like tips to dating an addict and I did not find anything worthy of nothing. Um, it's just a bunch of crap. You know, it, it's the standard nonsense that you're, you probably were told by a million people in a million different meetings, you know, a lot of it, the, the reasons why I wasn't very happy with my research is it seems like it rather than it's, it's almost like talking about what you should do if you meet someone and they are an addiction recovery, what you should decide to do when you first meet them instead of it's like five things to know before dating an addict and six tips for dating and recovery. And these are all things that like the beginning, but no one really talks about, what to do when you've been in a relationship for six months, a year, two years, and and so on and so forth. Because as addicts, because we had this emotional suffering, we began to deal with our emotions in a myriad of ways. Um, and addiction became one of those ways. And for me, I, you know, some of the things I put in my show notes, um, because I know that I've been emotionally stunted since I was a, a little kid and and probably a baby. But now here I am at 43 years old. And like my therapist likes to remind me in many ways, I'm, you know, when I first got sober, I basically came to as like a, you know, emotionally as like a 12 year old, um, you know, go back to when you started having some of those first emotional traumas. And since that's where you've grounded your emotional suffering in, when you get sober and you have to start going back in time and working through all this crap, you'll find that where you first suffered the issue is often where you are emotionally in your maturity. And then you've got to start building it from there. So in some cases, I could be stuck at 4, 8, 12, 16, 18. It just depends. So keep that in mind about yourself. You know, if you need to, like I've already done, go back and, you know, write out a list of some of the emotional traumas that you've that you've known about, some of the emotional traumas that you've learned about since you got sober, some of the emotional traumas that you're still discovering. I mean, it could be something as simple as, I remember in sixth grade, a girl I had a crush on uh, pulled a chair out from under me when I went to go sit down and I started to cry and everyone in class laughed at me and she laughed at me and it was this big, huge, you know, embarrassing moment. And I think the teacher even wrote up the girl and obviously there there crush gone bye-bye after that. Um, I just think, okay, you know, where could that cause certain emotional trauma now? You know, where is there like, oh, you know, if you like someone, you know, at any point in time, they could just pull a chair out from underneath of you and embarrass you. All right. So now you, now I might be looking to keep my emotions hidden, might be looking to always protect myself in case that person ever decides to metaphorically pull a chair out from underneath me and embarrass me. 
right? So that might keep me from being vulnerable, having vulnerable conversations, you know, diving deep into my emotions and being willing to open up, right? That's just literally something that came to mind, but it can be something that small, right? It doesn't seem like a big deal. It's not like, oh, I remember, you know, I remember my mom and dad getting into huge arguments after she got back from the hospital with an ostomy bag on her hip and him screaming things like, I didn't sign up for this. You know, this is gross. This is disgusting because her ostomy bag would break open and, and, you know, her, her poop would leak all over the bed. He'd wake up covered in her poop. And yeah, uh, yeah, you know, a 38 year old, he was 12 years older than her and she was 29. So that would have been 41, 41 year old man. I can imagine me waking up next to a, a, you know, poop all over me. Yeah, you didn't sign up for that. But if you to have it to hold for richer, for poorer, for you know, for sickness and in health, if you're listening to those vows, she was the epitome of sickness and in health. And so I remember listening to them argue, and that's a huge trauma. Now, not so much do I consider getting the chair pulled out from underneath me trauma, but it's in there. Everything that's ever happened to you is in your unconscious mind, so you have these emotional traumas. So some of the bullet points that I put in here, um, first and foremost, write out your emotional traumas. And because knowing them, realizing that you've put some memory into that, you put some weight into it, is really going to help you figure out what's holding you back when it comes time to really dive into your emotions. I'm not a big fan of emotions. Um, In NLP, we learned that you have a reasonable mind, which is you know, the part of your brain that uses logic and cognitive thinking skills. And then you have the emotional mind, which is the part that can be triggered and can have you act out emotionally. Um, whenever you feel your, your, your pulse kick up, your adrenaline shoot, your heart twinge, the anxiety in your belly, when those kind of things start to happen, that's your emotional mind taking over. In a perfect world, you combine the reasonable mind and the emotional mind and you come out with a wise mind. Um, and that's what we're all striving for is a perfect balance between the cognitive, reasonable mind and then the emotional mind, because you want to have emotions, but you also want to be able to think logically and not get emotionally triggered over things that don't need your emotional triggering to be involved in that situation, right? You get a flat tire when you're running late to, um, an appointment or to a play or a sporting event, immediately you want to get, you you might get emotionally triggered. I'm going to be late. I'm going to miss out. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to miss the beginning, blah, blah, blah. You get emotional. Your adrenaline starts to run. Your your brain doesn't, gets a little foggy because you've got this fight, flight, or freeze thing going on. When in reality, if you stay to your logical mind, just said, well, this is shit. And I'd really wish this wasn't going on right now. But you pulled over, got yourself on a level service, level service surface, put on the emergency parking brake, went to the back of your trunk and got yourself, got everything out and fixed that tire. Um, you know, in less than 20 minutes, you can be back on the road and you really wouldn't have missed that much of whatever you were trying to attend. Right. And that's one of those kind of things where letting emotions take over in that scenario could cause you to make mistakes, like forgetting to put the emergency brake on so that the car starts to shake whenever you're trying to unscrew the tire. And next thing you know, you got the, you got the car collapsing on the jack, perhaps even bending it. And now you definitely can't fix your tire. And now you're certainly screwed. Right. So there, you know, there's a million different things you can think of when it helps to have the emotional mind or when it helps to have the 
reasonable mind. Um, you know, somebody comes up to you and says that their their dog just died. That's the time to allow the emotional mind to take over and, you know, go into consoling them and hugging them and, and letting them know that, you know, while it's painful now, over time, the memories will be of how happy you were with that dog and it's in a better place. And, you know, the rigmarole that you would say, um, I digress on that. I'm, I'm not trying to get too deep in, into that aspect of the of the conversation. I really want to stick with using your emotions in relationships. So we've gotten into step one about going back and finding out what um, emotional traumas are stunting your emotional growth now. Keep in mind, and these are I'm putting these in the I sense because I'm the one dealing with this. This is why this episode's about relationships and, and emotions. Is that um, I do not process emotions the way others do. There's a very good chance you don't either. You're in addiction recovery for a reason. Your emotional growth and maturity was stunted at some point. We don't process emotions the way others do. No one, no two people will ever process emotions the same way. There will be massive similarities to the point where you might think, wow, this person literally processes their emotions the same way. Um, As we've learned in other episodes, that when a life event happens, some sort of external circumstance happens outside of you, you 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 witness it and it goes through your five senses see hear feel smell taste uh, once it gets in there it gets filtered um, through those five senses and then in your, once in your brain you either will delete distort or generalize what just occurred in front of you that goes into an internal movie an internal pictograph where it now becomes something our brains always move in pictures and images that's how we that's how Every, the foundation of our memories of our entire conscious and unconscious mind is based on pictures and, and moving images. And once that happens, then boom, it gets it moves into an emotional state, which then becomes a behavior, which brings about a result, which creates another um, life event. Um, that alone could be a whole episode. In fact, I think I just did that one for my college success habits. Um, I believe that was episode like 27 or 30. Go over there and, and check it out. If you want to know more about how your brain processes information, uh, we'll do one for sobriety and recovery down the road. Um, probably do that somewhere around uh, probably mental. Um, that mental is probably a good place to do that. And maybe again for emotional self. So anyways, here we are 18 minutes in and I don't know if I've given you a ton to work with yet other than it, it's okay. I really, this is more I uh, really have a diary of, of, of just Jesse's brain trying to figure out emotions because I've had a lot of issues with them this year. I've come to the c- conclusion, and I have known this for a while, I don't process emotions the way others do. I don't prioritize people, places, events um, the way others do. I don't know how to verbalize my emotions at all. Uh, I'm not broken. You know, I, I'm bruised, perhaps, but definitely not broken. And I used to say that. I used to say I'm just emotionally broken, and that's not the case. We're not broken. You're not broken. Nobody's broken. We're bruised. We've got some issues. The ego got involved. Addiction got involved, and we're just working our way through it. I know I can figure this out. It's just going to take a lot of time, and it could take years. I honestly don't know. To other people, it might just be like, well, it's as simple as just letting yourself feel. I don't even, when I hear that, my logical mind tries to take over and be like, okay, well, what's the process to allow me to feel? Th- that doesn't work. You're trying to get, when you get the logical mind involved in trying to feel emotions, then you just have what I currently am, 
which is uh, almost robotic in how I display my emotions. Someone calls me up and tells me that they had a bad day at work, that they want to quit being a yoga instructor, that they never want to do yoga instructing again. My first inclination is to call them up and use logical mind about how to um, study and get better at being a yoga instructor, how to prepare your lesson plan better, how to practice your, you know, doing yoga instructing so that next time you don't have um, the same problems you had today about how to breathe deep and calm your heart rate down when you start to get stressed, right? You see what I would do? My natural inclination is to immediately go to problem solving. And I get that People will say that, you know, men and women, we, we deal with emotions differently. Um, you know, saying that is like saying there's a difference between a car and a motorcycle. It's like no shit, Sherlock. Of course, men and women deal with emotions differently. Every human deals with emotions differently. And there's definitely a, a almost like a divisive dissimilarity around how men and women deal with their emotions, um, oftentimes based on how we were raised. You know, my dad, uh, when I started showing signs of emotion as a child, and this is my stepdad, not my bio dad, um, he'd say things like, stop being a little girl. What are you, gay? Are you a little sissy boy? Man up, toughen up, real men don't cry, shit like that. That gets said to you enough as a little child, and it becomes this unconscious riptide uh, where showing your emotions becomes a sign of weakness and And in order to be a strong man that women will love, you don't show weakness, you don't show emotions. The hilarity of all that is, is that when you get to be an adult, and the main reason why women get pissed off at men is because we don't show our emotions. So you have these men teaching boys how to show emotions, which is to not show emotions, and... Then we are then we get raised this way, and we end up having the same problem with women that our dads and our grandpas and our uncles did. It's hilarious. <laughs> and then if you're raised by only women, then you might be told to wear your heart on your sleeve and show your emotions all the time. And then you get older, and you're and you're more easily and readily available to get into a, that vulnerable state and to show your emotions. And then women, so used to men who are standoffish with their emotions, having listened to all of these men tell these boys that only little girly boys uh, show their emotions. Then a woman sees a man show the emotions the way that they truly unconsciously want men to show their emotions. But unfortunately, they've also been programmed to think that a real man, you know, doesn't cry. A real man doesn't just, doesn't uh, act vulnerable. A real man doesn't, you know, show vulnerability that doesn't show problems. You know, a real man toughens up and, you know, and provides and shuts the hell up whenever, you know, it's supposed to be emotional. It's, really fucked up. Honestly, honestly, it you all have experience with this. Even as you're listening to this, it must just boggle your mind that we're raising a society full of underdeveloped, emotionally immature humans. Right? You got all these women being told that, you know, they have to act a certain way to be a real woman and to get to get a man. In some cases, they're being told that the man needs to provide for them. Um, and therefore, they don't go off and stand on their own two feet and, and learn how to provide for themselves. You have these men being told that they don't shouldn't show emotions or they're little wusses. And they got, you have these women hearing the men being told this. So unconsciously, when they see a man showing their emotions, even though they might want that, 
there's still this undercurrent of if a man shows too much emotions, then they're a little wussy boy. And then you just end up having this entire society where everyone wants to be acting differently. Everybody wants the other person to act differently in front of them. And they don't even begin to know how to do it. And then when they do it, it sends this, this trigger is clicked inside of our heads that says they're not supposed to be acting this way. Right? Oh, heaven forbid a girl's a tomboy. A tom- What's that tomboy? A girl wants to you know, run around in the, and play in the mud and play sports. We want women to do that. You know, what, is it Title 12 or 9? One of those. You know, brought funding into the high school and college arena for women to play sports. But as soon as they start doing it, then they get labeled as a dyke or a lesbian or some other derogatory term that doesn't help the conversation at all. Right? You know, it's... It, 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 it becomes anti-beneficial to talk about women that way. And then you have these, these men who all they want to do is be able to express their emotions, but they've been told if they do, then they're a little wussy boys, right? And you have enough men emotionally stunted, enough women emotionally stunted, and they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna turn to ways of escaping. And that's going to be drug and alcohol abuse, anger, aggression, thrill-seeking behavior, workaholism, compulsive sex, psychosomatic illnesses. I don't even know what psychosomatic illnesses are. Let me see if I can look up psychosomatic real fast. Um, caused or aggravated by mental factors such as internal conflict or stress. Okay, so you've got this internal conflict and stress. My mom had that. I'm a firm believer my mom got Crohn's because of the emotional and mental and physical abuses that she suffered as a child. Then she got together with my bio dad. They got into drugs and, and you know did their whole thing, you know, buying, selling, going, you know, jail here and there. I show up, right? Then mom gets the disease, and you know, next, you know, it's like all of that because she had all of this stressors, all of this anxiety, all of this pain inside of her. She didn't know how to get it out, and so it became Crohn's. Uh, and these are just a few of the things that in my research I found. I mean, we already know that there are issues with relationships. And I guess I say all of this, this is supposed to be, ah, 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 ah. I was supposed to give you the most amazing information to help you deal with emotions whenever you got um, home and in your relationships. And I suppose, (sighs) let me calm this down for a second. Here's the deal. We all deal with emotions differently. No two people will ever feel the same emotion the same way. No, pe- no two people will go through the same life event and walk away from it with the same kind of internal story about it. When you get around someone that you care about, when you get around someone that you love, when you get around your, your, your family members or your significant other or your children or your distant relatives or friends, best friends, coworkers, whoever it might be, whoever you're picturing in your head right now, just realize that deep down the current that all humans have is that we want to be accepted. We want security. We want safety. We want warmth. We want love. Right? We're just looking for these basic human needs. Like deep down inside, we're, 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 Every day, we're just hoping that we keep a roof over our head, that when we call someone that we love, that they answer the phone, that they care to hear from us, that 
when we go to visit someone that they're excited to see us, that they are interested in hearing about the things that we're interested in. I have a problem with that. I don't think that random dumbass things that happen throughout the day have any weight in my life. I don't want to remember them. I don't, you know, today some homeless guy started screaming at me on the street and told me he wanted to kill me because I didn't want to give him food. Uh, I wasn't even talking to him. He literally just walked up and started screaming, give me food. I'll kill you. Give me food. Immediately, you know, fight, flight, or freeze. You know, all that guy wants every single moment of every single day is just some food in his belly, a warm place to sleep at night, and to know that people care. I don't care how bruised you are. I don't care how screwed up you think someone you know who's in addiction recovery is. It doesn't matter. We all have the same basic wants, needs, and desires. And so when you start to think about how you are relating with people within your relationships on an emotional level, do your best to understand where they're coming from. I certainly um, drop the ball on that frequently. Um, I try. I get defensive. My ego gets involved. I don't know how to feel the way other people feel, so I, I start to feel like I'm wrong. I start to... I start to I don't even feel that I'm wrong. I think that I'm wrong because I don't know how to put my words into emotions. I don't know how to put my emotions into words. Emotional escapism is what I spent so many years of my life doing. And, you know, now I find myself in a situation where I want to feel my emotions, but it's not like a light switch. You just don't flip it on and say, oh, okay, today I want to feel my emotions. And then you just start feeling your emotions. I wish it worked that way. Wouldn't that be great? You just flip on a light switch and immediately understand everything about this person in front of you that they want you to understand. Flip a light switch and all of a sudden you have empathy, sympathy, and compassion for every single human's lot in life. One of the main problems that I have that a lot of men have, there's even a scientific term for it. It's called normative male alexthemia, um, which basically translates, according to this article I read, of without words for emotions. Um, one of the main problems that I have with is that because I don't know what I'm even feeling most of the time, when someone wants me to put my word, my emotions into words to describe my emotions, I don't even know what that is. I don't know what they're even talking about. I I know what the word um, for anxiety, for jealousy, for anger, for happiness, for love. I know what those words are, but to me, they're the feeling of them is often beyond me. Right. So even whenever I acknowledge that I'm working on my emotional openness and maturity, I don't even often think I'm, I'm, I don't even know the rules of the game. I don't even know what game I'm playing, right? Like, I don't even know what I don't know. So therefore, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm working, I'm working on emotional maturity. I'm working on emotional growth. I'm working on opening up. But because I don't know how to describe my feelings, then I don't even know how to f- – how to. I can't, if I can't even use my words, which I am a wordsmith, I'm great at using words. I obviously do that as a career. If I can't even use my words to describe my emotions – How on earth am I even going to begin to know what I'm feeling? And if you have this similar issue, all I can say for me and what I try to do is just slow it down and 
not take the first thing I feel as the definitive way I feel about something. Here we are at minute 31, and and I'm going to close up on this, is that don't take the first thing you feel as the end-all way you feel about something. Like if you knew me a month ago, let alone six months or a year or two years or two and a half years ago or January 12th, 2017, the day before I got sober, I'm not anywhere near the same person. Your emotional growth, your physical growth, your mental growth, your spiritual growth, you got game, y'all. We're working on it. So how you feel about something today isn't how you're going to be the, uh, tomorrow or the next week or the next month. So when you go around these relationships and, and you're looking to become a more emotionally vulnerable, a more emotionally open, first and foremost, one of the things I learned whenever I first got into recovery was verbalize to the person you're talking to the problems you're having internally. I do a lot of mental gymnastics, whether it's with my schedule or, or, what, I, or what I'm trying to accomplish or whatever it might be. I, I, my mind is racing and it's working on 20 different solutions to the same problem. Well, if you're doing that in your head while you're standing in front of somebody, they don't know, right? And a lot of times what we end up doing is not verbalizing to somebody what we're going through, what we're putting ourselves through to try to figure out how to interact with them, how to feel what they're feeling, how to how to absorb what they've just said to us, right? And one of my first inclinations is just go straight to negative. Oh, burn it all down. Oh, if this, uh, can't figure this out. No, I don't know. Oh, you know what? I'll just, just reboot it and move on and reboot it and try it somewhere else some some other way. You have to know when someone's toxic in your life and when you need to remove them, when you need to stop hanging out with them so, so much. You do need to know those kind of things. You also need to know when it's your behavior that's toxic or that no one's toxic and it's just a miscommunication because we're all different beings and we none of us really know how to communicate with, it, or, with each other. Even if you've been married to somebody for 20 years, if something life-altering occurs, good or bad, you're both going to have a different internalization of it and you're both going to have experienced differently. And if you don't discuss that, then how is anyone supposed to know how, what you're experiencing from it? So when you go and you deal with your relationships on an emotional level, you know, step one, look back at your traumas and be able to remember what it was that caused some of these issues that you're now dealing with, right? Go back and... and once you've been able to see them, you know, it'll help you. There's a whole NLP way where you can go back and actually see things differently. But most importantly, for now, just understand how those emotional traumas might be affecting the way you're reacting right now. Verbalize the problems you're having inside of your head so that the other person knows what it is you're going through. Be willing to hear what they say even if it's not something that you agree with or want to hear or even understand. And then sit down with them and really open up about what it is that you're working toward and what it is that you would like to accomplish. Because if you don't know where you're trying to go, you won't even know the basic idea of how to get there. 
If I said right now that I want to go to a grocery store near my house, there's 50 different ways. I might choose one way because it's the way I go all the time. And then along that route, all of a sudden a car accident or the road closure or construction means I now have to turn down a different road. That wasn't my original idea, but now it's the path that I'm on. But I always know that I'm aiming for this grocery store. In the end, I might end up at a completely different grocery store. But because I knew I was trying to go to a grocery store, then I had a basic idea of how to set my course to get there. And now I'm flexible with what it is I do along the way, knowing that the end goal is to get to a grocery store. So when it comes to your relationships, know where you're trying to get to, knowing that once you set a course, if you use flexibility, you'll be able to get to something similar to where you wanted to go, even if you have to change the course along the way. Emotions are tough when you're in addiction recovery. What you feel is not wrong, and what the loved ones in your life feel is not wrong. There's such a thing as homeostasis, in that the people who've always been around you while you were using got used to dealing with you a certain way. And now you go off and you get sober and now they have to learn different ways of interacting with you. Just like you're learning new ways to interact with them. So for those people who've been in your life for years and have watched you go through these incredible lows to now see you in addiction recovery, understand that you're all trying to get back to homeostasis. You're all trying to get back to a place where you know exactly how to interact with someone. It's going to take some time. And the only way to really get there is for you to journal or think or audio record or video record or go to meetings, something. You've got to get this shit out of your head And not just internalize it all. Because I'm telling you what, my best breakthroughs come when I'm shooting podcasts, when I'm writing journal entries, when I'm shooting little voice memos to myself, when I'm shooting little video diaries to myself, when I'm having these conversations with the people who mean the most to me and are willing to be there for me no matter what it is I have to say. Be willing to open up to people and be willing to have them open up to you. And from there, you'll begin to figure out a way to get back to that even balance where everyone knows how, for the most part, to interact with one another and realize that you're not broken. You're just a little bit bruised. And that as you go through this healing process, each day is a new journey. Each day is a new um, awakening. And that the best part about life is feeling the highs and lows of emotions. Because that's where you really have those breakthroughs inside yourself. That's where you have these amazing memories. That's where you'll have the sad memories. I'm learning that slowly, that one of the reasons why I care so little about the day-to-day humdrums of life is because I I lack that emotional um, maturity or emotional balance that so many other people have. And... um, there's a part of me that de- that doesn't ever really care if I ever care about the bullshit day-to-day nonsense that happens in, in my life, let alone somebody else's, right? I don't need to know that you got stuck at three yellow lights on the way to my house, or I don't need to know that you, that, you know, that blah, 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 blah. I'm just coming up with random ideas, um, and I'm not even talking about anyone in particular, just whatever it might be. But at the same time, those those kind of things matter to some people, And for me to learn how to understand that and deal with that is part of my process. 
Um, I don't know how long it'll take, if it'll ever take, and if I'll ever figure it out, if I'll ever really want to figure it out. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Because if, even if I said I wanted to or I didn't want to today, I could feel completely different tomorrow and two days from now feel completely different from that. Right? Like, when it comes to emotions, it's not set in stone. It's not like the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. Every single day, it's different. And just be okay with the emotions going up and down. Be okay with the triggers. Um, because you're, you, and I didn't even go into that because that's not what this episode's about, but we'll discuss emotional triggers and how to deal with those and make sure that you don't use as we get closer to the holidays. And um, that'll be more around um, maybe spiritual self, uh, about understanding your own integrity and your own uh, values and beliefs and, and why it is you care enough about yourself to stay sober. I went 40 freaking minutes. 40 minutes. Some days I feel like this is just a diary of my insanity. This feels like one of those where I don't even really know how to deal with my emotions. I, I should, I'm, I'll go find somebody who does and I'll start bringing guests on the show next year. But again, you can go Google this 87 times. You can go find 30 other podcasts that are similar to mine and somebody else will say, well, this is how you deal with your emotions. You do this and you do this and you do this and you do this. And it's like, okay, that worked for you. You can try it. I mean, if somebody says step by step, step by step, and you'll be more emotional, I mean, sure, give it a shot. Don't ever not go for it. But at the same time, you know, deep down inside, what are your blocks? You got to figure out a way to work through those. You didn't get sober just to have the same boring ass life that you had when you were a drunk and a druggie. You stepped into addiction recovery because you knew there was something better because you were tired of suffering through every day and trying to manage an addiction that was unmanageable. It's time to start working towards that emotional growth and that emotional maturity that we were not taught, that we were robbed of as children. It's time to figure this out so that it, when, when we get around children, we can show them how really emotional, emotional, re, emotionally responsible, emotionally vulnerable, emotionally mature, and emotionally independent human beings, men and women, can function in our society. Oh, hallelujah. That'll be the day. All right, guys. Remember, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Until we meet again, be blessed. Bye-bye. 